Get ready to hear some noise tonight. You're about to go behind enemy lines with the original Blues Hockey Podcast. Let's go Blues Radio. This is Let's Go Blues Radio. This is Season 8, Episode 20, Franchise Episode Number 206. A big thanks goes out to the Wild in Free for the use of their song, Fire. Also a big thanks to Tom Calhoun, paguytom.com. Make sure you check him out. If you have an event you need emceed or if you want a good book on tape, check out paguytom.com. Also check out the letsgoblues.com shop and consider a reasonably priced shirt, mug, or sticker. Remember that all proceeds go back into the show. Also subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple, or Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also listen at letsgoblues.com slash radio. Before we uh, keep the party going, I just wanted to comment uh, a little bit on... Something I did uh, the past couple days, I actually have uh, been re-watching a little bit of the playoffs, and uh, man, it's so weird to go back and watch Game 1 against Winnipeg. There's so much of that game I didn't remember. I remember the save on, I think it was Mark Shifley at the end of the game, uh, that was just a miraculous save by Bennington, stretching across, a really great save, but I mean, he played so well in that game phenomenal and uh the jets just keep coming at them and it was uh obviously the blues came out on top and it was it was a hell of a game so i'm uh i'm just kind of slowly working my way through every blues win of the uh the postseason been watching with my son and we both have really enjoyed watching them so it's just been fun so if you have uh nhl tv and if you don't nhl tv uh they have an off-season plan it's only 10 bucks so go to NHLTV.com, or I'm sorry, NHL.TV, and uh, yeah, and check that out because it's uh, it's worth the, the ten bucks if you want to watch some good games from the last season, especially the playoff run. But uh, yeah, yeah, I recommend going back and watching some of those games because you know, obviously you remember the big moments in Boston, and obviously the, the the win over the Sharks that put them in the Stanley Cup final. You know, you remember the big moments, but some of those smaller games that. Uh, you know, don't really stack up to win number 16 or, you know, win number 12. There, there was some good stuff that you might have forgotten about. Well, folks, I think it's time that we uh, start the next segment, and that is when we keep the party going. Keep the party going is the segment where you, the listener, get to write in to me, the host, and I read your email on air. 
and this obviously has to do with the Blues Stanley Cup Championship. What's it? What is it meant for you? What is it meant for your family, your friends? How long have you been a fan? All that stuff. So whatever you want to talk about, just email us in for this segment at radio at letsgoblues.com. You know, we've had a couple of these, so if you kind of want to do something but you're not sure, listen to the past shows of Behind Enemy Lines. And uh, we have read many emails from many great people. And uh, we have another one today. This is from Cecilia Mepiel. So, Cecilia, if I said your name incorrectly, I do apologize. But from Cecilia, she writes, Dear Let's Go Blues Radio, I'm from St. Louis. I wanted to write in because the Stanley Cup run was what got me into hockey. I've been a fan my whole life, but I didn't really know anything about it. So when we got into the playoffs and my family started watching the games, I got more and more invested into the team and the sport. I remember the day after the Game 7 against Dallas in choir, and my choir instructor was comparing us to the Blues, and we could do great things if we continued to work hard for the few weeks we had left. Even pushing to get a 93 of 100 at the Six Flags Music Contest, which is really hard to get. That experience was one of the things that got me more invested into the team because knowing that those guys could do what they did inspired us to think we could do it. When we won, the next day I went for my run with my cross-country team, then headed to get some Champs gear. I got my first real blues hat that day, and I love it. Then the parade came around, and it was a madhouse, but so much fun. Hanging out with family and seeing so many role models for young children was amazing. I'm so ready for next season to start and maybe go to my first real hockey game. And one more thing, we went blues from Brett Hall. With lots of blues love, Cecilia. Uh, Cecilia, I'm guessing you're a little younger. You talk about uh, you know your choir and cross-country team, so thank you very much for, re- uh, for writing in. And I'll go ahead and make this statement. You're probably the youngest person we've had in this segment, so... I guess I could make you a plaque if you wanted, you know, maybe give you a, a star, whatever it is that uh, kids want these days. But uh, no, thank you very much, Cecilia, for writing in. Uh, very cool of you. And yeah, it's, that's what I love about this Stanley Cup run. Um, I, I, there was a, I, I, I've done so many of these interviews, I can't remember which one this was, but uh, I want to say maybe Vancouver. Uh, we had talked about what uh, what the, the hockey atmosphere was like for juniors and younger players and mites and that kind of thing. And, and um, it's so funny when you think about the booms that this city has had from hockey. You know, you look at the, uh, the, the years of Brett Hall. You know, hey, this guy's scoring a bunch of goals, got fans excited. Obviously, Adam Oates part of that, Brendan Shanahan, all those great teams in the early 90s. And then you think to the 2000s and all those great blues teams the chris pronger al mckinnis years and you see the generations that have come from that and you know what's your what's your what is one of your first memories oh the monday night miracle well what's one of your first memories uh brett hall uh scoring 72 goals in a season for me you know one of my first real big memories of being a true i mean i've always been a fan but uh was was chris pronger getting hit in the chest uh against detroit you know, and I think that was uh, 97. I could be wrong on that. But that's one of my first memories of, of being a, a like of knowing that, OK, this is my sport. That's what made me love the sport, because you look at the guy and, he's, you know, he he'd do anything for his team. And it just made me so excited to watch hockey every night. And that excitement has never dwindled. And 
you know, you just think about how these moments in blues hockey, how much it's inspired young kids. And, and again, I don't know how old Cecilia is, but you know, she's at least high school age, really got into hockey because of this. And that's beautiful. That's what we want. I mean, you think about, uh, I've been talking with some friends about the rinks coming up here in St. Louis. There's a one coming up in, uh, in Maryland Heights, obviously the, the Centene Community Ice Center. Uh, that's very exciting. Three sheets of ice there. And then there's also one going up, uh, for Maryville. Um, they're going to have an ice rink coming up in uh, Chesterfield, uh, right by the JB Bridge, I believe. I mean, it's just, it's so cool to see how there's a little bit of a hockey boom going right now. And it's because of this team. It's because of the excitement this city has seen. Uh, from these teams, I mean, not even just this team, but just recently, you know, the the perennial playoff teams that have been led by Bacchus and Brower and Petrangelo and Tarasenko. I mean, it's it's so much fun to see this city just come together and just cherish the sport like they have. And um, again, I think you can kind of tell from Cecilia's email that it's having an impact on these younger people, and that's what we want. That's what's so great about having a strong hockey market is you see the younger people getting excited about hockey. And uh, again, this was, uh, this, that's what lured me in. You know, that's what made me realize that, uh, you know, I've told the story on this show before about Jeff Brown being generous and giving me tickets to a game. Uh, obviously that's what got my foot in the door with hockey. But, uh, as I said, the, the Chris Pronger moment is as scary and, and as terrifying as that moment was for any hockey fan or hockey player. Um, it, it just proved to me this is the sport for me that, you know, seeing the drive that guy has to block a shot in the chest and, you know, still try to get up and skate to the penalty box. You know, I mean, it was, it's just something I'll never forget. And, and again, as bad as it was, it's, it, it made me realize, yeah, this is, this is it. This is what sports should be all about, uh, is playing for your team. And, and I think you're seeing, you saw a lot of that with the blues this year. Um, and again, it's, 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 it's great. It's awesome to see. And, uh, Cecilia, thank you very much for reiterating that point for me. As I said, I, I mentioned it on one of the previous shows. I can't remember which one, but, uh, thank you very much for emailing in. It was really nice to hear from you. And, uh, yes, uh, we definitely went blues, Cecilia. You're right. We did. Well, let's introduce our guest. And as I said before, this is kind of a marquee episode, folks. We are talking with the Chicago Blackhawks. Uh, one of their better podcasts that I've heard. I've actually listened to a few of them. Uh, I'm a fan of this one because uh, Jeff is uh, a passionate Blackhawks guy, uh, pretty funny guy as well. So Jeff Osborne from the Blackhawks Hockey Rinkcast comes on, and Cecilia, if you're listening, this is uh, this is one of the Blues' biggest rivals of all time. So uh, this is definitely an episode to check out for those of you who are maybe just getting into the sport, maybe just picked it up over the uh, the playoffs. Um, this is a, uh, this is, even though they didn't make the playoffs this year, this has long been a blues rival. And, uh, for, for most of our listeners, I think you know that, uh, a very exciting, uh, to talk about the Blackhawks and blues history. There's been some great moments. Obviously the St. Patrick's Day massacre comes to mind, but there's been some recent playoff meetings. Uh, there's been just, I mean, so much between these two teams. I don't need to tell you guys, everybody here listening, uh, well, most of you listening probably know what I'm talking about. So uh, let me just stop uh, uh, telling you how great this interview is and, and just get to it. Today, we are talking Chicago Blackhawks, and I am joined by Jeff Osborne of the Blackhawks Hockey Rinkcast. We'll get to Jeff in a minute. First, I want to go over the stats between these two teams. 
The Blues' all-time record against the Chicago Blackhawks. Lots of games here, folks. 314 games played, 128, 136, 35, and 16. The 16 are the overtime losses. Um, so, yeah, very close there, uh, 128 and 136, if you don't include ties and overtime losses. So uh, that's just a matter of a, a couple of seasons catching up to the Blackhawks if the Blues start to dominate. Uh, first meeting between these two teams was on November 12th, 1967 in Chicago, and that was a 5-2 loss for the Blues. Uh, and then an important note about the Blues and Blackhawks, on April 25th, 1993, that was my eighth birthday, uh, the Blues swept Chicago in the first round. Craig Janney scored the overtime goal for the win. That was the famous Ed Belfort breaking his stick game. Co-host Kirk Price loves to recall that one as that was one of his favorite games of all time as well as mine. Uh, and that was the that, the reason I bring that up is that was the first sweep of the Blackhawks in the playoffs for the Blues. So a big moment there for the uh, St. Louis Blues franchise and uh, obviously did not go on to do anything after that. But uh, we'll we'll get into uh, further postseason discussion here in a bit with Jeff. Uh, but first, I want to introduce uh, Mr. Osborne onto the show. Uh, thank you for coming on today, and um, I hope you're ready to talk some Blues and Blackhawks. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. I really appreciate you reaching out. Um, how much do you hate the blues? Let's, let's just get this out of the way. You know what? I don't hate the blues as much as I used to hate them. Uh, you know, nowadays I actually, and I've said this several times, I even said it in the summer when I was trying to do some previews, uh, I was doing some previews on another podcast and uh, I was telling them how well I thought the blues were going to do with the changes they've made and, uh, you know, getting, uh, really good up the middle, making a lot of changes. I, I was really impressed with what they did over the summer. I was actually jealous of them picking up like Ryan O'Reilly. I, I love him as a player. And um, I, I think I thought the world of him and uh, you know, you guys really did well. And obviously it's worked out in the end. I mean, I was not a fan of uh, Mike Yo. Um, no, I don't know who was, <laughs> I don't know why they decided to do that. Uh, but I thought that was a stupid move, but uh, once they got rid of Mike Yo and they've really straightened things out, uh, you know, I, I'm not a Jake Allen fan, but you know, Jordan Bennington, that's a great story. I love Colton Pareko. I, uh, I would give, you know, my pinky toe for Colton Pareko on the Blackhawks right now. And like Vince Dunn and, uh, you know, Tarasenko, you can't forget Tarasenko. He's a really good player. So, I mean, I don't hate them as much as I used to. It used to be like, you know, Bacchus and Reeves and, and all those guys, like as a Blackhawks fan, like to the, to us, they were cheap shot artists. They were, you know, dirty players and, um, you know, you're going to think of them otherwise as a Blues fan, but to us, they seemed like the dirtiest people in the league, the dirtiest team in the league. So that's why I didn't like them back then. But like right now, I don't hate them. And I, I would honestly think that, or the way I look at it right now with the way Boston is, uh, they seem like the dirtier team. And Thank you. I agree. It, it's weird <laughs> to say that. And I've seen a lot of Blackhawks fans say that, that, you know, it's weird to be cheering for the Blues, but I don't mind if the Blues win. Um, that's, that's awesome. You know, I, I'd be with it. Uh, the Boston, uh, I don't know. I'm not so keen on them right now. So. I don't think anybody wants Boston win except Boston. <laughs> that's the way <laughs> pretty, I see it. Pretty much. Yeah. They are. Uh, I should uh, add the caveat. I've done this uh, in every episode that uh, we are recording this show on May 31st, 2019. So this will air later in the summer. Right now, the blues and, and Bruins are, are tied 1-1 in their series. So that's why uh, uh, we, we're talking like the Stanley Cup has not been won yet. And that's because it has not. <laughs> yeah, I know. You guys uh, You guys probably already had your parade by now. 
Yeah, that hey, thank you. I hope you're right. Um, I, I called a sweep of Boston. I was a little off there, but I'm yeah. hoping the Blues in five. Uh, so let me ask you, bigger. what's the best story, bigger story here? Jordan Binnington or Scott Foster? Uh, well, I'm going to... I'm going to say Scott Foster because he was a nobody. I mean, literally he was a nobody. He was, you know, he was a beer league guy. He was the backup goalie, the, the emergency backup goalie, but that doesn't mean that that doesn't take anything away from Jordan Bennington. Cause Jordan Bennington's, you know, played excellent and no one really, it, it seems like at least from what I know, and I, it, it, he played with the wolves a lot. So we kind of know him a little bit in Chicago and uh, it, it just seems to me like he was kind of cast off. He was the forgotten guy. And Jake Allen was the next anointed guy. And I've never really been a big fan. It it just is a little bit of a background. I'm a goalie myself. My okay. My area of expertise is goalie. And I am a goalie myself. I've played goalie since I was, you know, a kid. And uh, you know, I'm obviously not a kid anymore. But uh so I've taken that on as my, you know, expert my area of expertise. So I've seen a lot of Jake Allen, of course, because the Blackhawks and Blues play a lot. And uh, I was never a fan. I didn't think that he had He's kind of similar to what we had last year when Anton Forsberg played for the Blackhawks. He came in with a high pedigree, came in, and, um, well, Blackhawks kind of screwed him a little bit, but he just never really had that that toughness, the mental toughness to go in there and give up a bad goal and then be able to bounce back from that. And the, quickly, the organization and the coaching staff turned on him, and they kind of undermined him, and they brought in Jeff Glass, and it's a whole story. Blackhawks fans will know this story real well. But um, they kind of undermined him. He lost his confidence, and basically now he's an unrestricted free agent this summer, and the Blackhawks probably aren't even going to really, really resign him. He ended up spending this past season in, in the AHL. And so now Jake Allen, on the other hand, kind of seems that way. He was kind of the anointed guy. He was the next new guy. Never really put it all together, and that was rough and kind of coincided with the Mike Yo thing. Then they bring Bennington, and then all of a sudden, magically, when you guys can get a save, things start you know working out. Then, yeah, how about that? You uh, your goalie makes a big save on a breakaway, or makes a save he's supposed to make on a three on two, and and what's that? The Blues can win games now. That's impressive. That's exactly what it is. And uh, you know, I, I kind of he's got a little bit of an edge to him from what I've been seeing. Like some of these interviews he gives, he's a little bit of a jab, a little bit of a shot there to, at people. He seems kind of fearless. Like you know, he's come back from the dead, and here he is. So uh, yeah, I mean, it's a good story. But I mean, the Foster thing. The Foster thing, it was that that I was not a huge fan of that because, and they're still beating that horse to death right now because the one year anniversary they brought a whole thing out and he oh. was a convention and he's not really a guy that wants to be like he doesn't want the spotlight or anything like that so he kind of tried to stay in the background and he kind of disappeared for six months after that all happened and uh, but the Blackhawks kind of forced him to come out and you know meet the media and be it you know shake hands and kiss babies and all that thing but um. My biggest problem was, and with that whole thing was, is I'm a big Colin Delia fan. He's the Blackhawks, pretty much their backup goalie right now. And I, I was very high on him when he was, he came into prospect camp and he was a, uh, he was a free agent. He was, came into prospect camp. I really liked what I saw at prospect camp. And I was, you know, I wrote some really nice articles about him and said, uh, you know, I think that someone should give him a chance. I'm not sure if the Blackhawks will, blah, blah, blah. Well, they eventually signed him and he's done really well at each level. He pretty much earned himself uh, last year, two years ago, actually, when the Blackhawks were really bad, they weren't going to make the playoffs. He earned, uh, you know, a recall and he was going to make his debut and in, in, in Colorado. 
and I was going to actually be in Colorado to see the game. Well, um, as it turns out, that night was the the night before previous was the Scott Foster game. Anton Forsberg, the aforementioned Anton Forsberg, got hurt, uh, got hurt, and Delia had to start the game. So he made his NHL debut as an emergency starter. They did not have a backup ready, so Scott Foster was then the emergency backup goalie. Colin Delia was playing an excellent game. He was winning. He was beating uh, the the Winnipeg Jets at the time. I think we were. They were up like 6-1 or something like that. And uh, he cramped up in a third period. And then in comes Scott Foster. We all know what happens from there. So, I, you know, I think it's been – it's a nice story. Now every beer leaguer in the world thinks that they can step in and play goalie for, you know, an NHL team, which is not the case. Being a beer league goalie myself, that's not the case. Um, but, you know, I, I it got a little overblown, but you can see how the casual fan would like it. And, you know, it's kind of a Rudy-type story and everything. But, uh, yeah, so – that's kind I of the keep, I keep waiting for the uh, the emergency defenseman call in, and uh, maybe I can step in and play for the Blues at some point. <laughs> there we'll you see. go. I'll wait for my call. Well, yeah, um, I've heard a story actually once where uh, uh, I, I don't know, it was on another podcast, probably like uh, Jeff Merrick or something like that, saying that when uh, John McDonough came in for the Blackhawks, he kind of asked, "Hey, how come you have these people that are on the team but are healthy scratched?" How come we can't like put him in for the third period and pull a guy out, you know, like a specialist or whatever like that? And I'm like, you know, as a hockey purist and watching hockey my entire life, I'm like, well, that's kind of weird. But you think about it, I'm like, it's not crazy thought if you if you're thinking outside the box. But that's yeah. So that kind of goes in, in hand in hand with what you were saying. So you're saying there's a chance. Exactly. All right, I like that. Um, do you still hate the Detroit Red Wings? I have to ask that question too. Uh, no. Uh, I hated them back when they were good and they were beating the hell out of the Blackhawks. Uh, but you know, the Blackhawks kind of became the new next Detroit for, I don't know, eight years there and Detroit kind of faded away and then they left the division, but at least it, I, and I'm going to tell a story and I don't want everyone to hate me because you know, this is a blues podcast and I've been, you know, noted blues hater, but <laughs> you know, I told you how I feel about the blues. Uh, I respected the Red Wings because they had won so much. You hated that they would beat your team, but you respected it. It was kind of like the Yankees. Uh, you know, it was like, just what can you do? You're going to get beat by the Yankees. Kind of the same with the blue, with uh, Detroit. You're going to get beat by Detroit, and they're going to kind of go on and win some cups. And then they kind of faded away, and, and, and that kind of all went away. Uh, where I hated it was, and, and it wasn't really necessarily the Blues so much, as it was a lot of the meatball fans, and the Blackhawks have the meatball fans as well. So no team is, you know, uh, immune to having a meatball fan, a portion of the meatball fan base. It's probably the loud uh, minority, but you know that the blues fan, blues fans that come at you and and, and want to harass you on Twitter and the internet and all that stuff. And it's like, hey, wait a minute, your team hasn't won anything, so why are we gonna? Why am I gonna give you? Why am I gonna give you respect? You know, right. uh, when, when you guys win a cup, come back. And that, you know, I know that's the cliche answer that you see from Blackhawks fans and, and, you know, when you win a cup, we have three cups and all that stuff. And I know it gets old, but uh, you know, in my older age, I've chosen not to, you know, engage in that. That it's, uh, it's funny. Cause I've, I've talked to many Red Wings fans and, and people over the years. And um, I used to ask them, you know, in, in the late nineties, when the blue, when the blues and Blackhawks or sorry, blues and Red Wings seem to be playing every playoff here, uh, early two thousands as well you know, how much do you hate the blues? And I got a couple of responses that were kind of like, I don't really hate the blues. And it's like, well, we hate you. 
the Blues <laughs> hate the Red Wings, and it's because, like you, like you're kind of alluding to, the Blues couldn't win anything. Mm-hmm. So it was just every year the Red Wings would match up with the Blues in the playoffs, and it'd be okay. Well, it looks like the Red Wings are moving on to the third round. I mean, it was kind of a given. Mm-hmm. So for Red Wings fans. There wasn't a rivalry there. I mean, there was a little bit just because there was a lot of fights between the teams. And, you know, it was it was easy to hate on, you know, the Tony Twists and Kelly Chases of the world. But yeah. at the same time, the Chris Pronger obviously was probably the biggest one that people hated. Uh-huh. But, you know, it's like I look at the Red Wings the same way. And it's funny because I remember a game in 2016 um, when the uh, the Blues and Blackhawks met in the playoffs. I think it was game two. Um, I want to say the, the Blackhawks won that one and, um, they, uh, they interviewed Patrick Kane after the game and, and they asked him something about, you know, what do you think about playing against the blues in, in this round? And he talked about how it's become such a big rivalry and how it's a rivalry. And he said the word rivalry like three times. And I'm like, oh my God, the Blackhawks actually consider the blues a rival because the blues could actually play with them and they're not. They're not always going to get beaten by the Blackhawks like they used to with the Red Wings. And uh, Patrick Kane kind of was admitting that by calling it a rivalry. And it made me say, okay, you know, the Blues are actually on the map now as a team that could possibly contend for the Western Conference. Yeah, I mean, the the Blues for so long were kind of like that plucky team, the plucky, you know, the tough, rough and tumble team. They didn't have a lot of like superstars that really stood out, um, you know, and, and then you know, now they've got, you know, Tarasenko and some, they've got some guys, some flashier players now. So they're dangerous. Yeah. Uh, so talking about the, the rivalries, one thing that I definitely will want to talk about the sweep again, I know of uh, the, the Belfort breaking a stick game, but the one that really stands out between these two fan bases and uh, something again, that um, I had actually just talked on our, one of our live shows about having you on and the St. Patrick's day massacre came up. Oh, that's going to be discussed, right? Yep. Yes, it is. So we're going to talk about the St. Patrick's Day Massacre right now. And for those of you younger fans, uh, sit back by the fireplace and kick your feet up and take a listen as we t- discuss uh, one of the more memorable moments in Blues history. And honestly, for the Blackhawks, at least in recent history, uh, back in the day when fighting was just as much a part of the game as uh, as scoring goals and making saves. Uh, so what this was was a, a brawl. Uh, was that the second period uh, caused 278 penalty minutes, including 24 minors, 12 majors, and 17 misconduct penalties between the two teams. 12 players were ejected, six from each team, and there was multiple suspensions and fines that came from this. Uh, A couple quotes that I have here. Adam Oates on the brawl said, quote, it was weird. I was pretty scared. I'll tell you that. Let me rephrase that. Terrified. Uh, Grimson, Manson, and Peluso, and they had 10 bodies on the ice, too. Uh, I know Ronick later had a, a good quote in there, too, about how he was, uh, uh, things got a little crazy for him, but uh, uh, to, to really kind of dive into what happened here, it was a line brawl, started with Glenn Featherstone, took exception to Jeremy Ronick's hard hit on Harold Sneps. Featherstone shoved Ronick, Keith Brown shoved Featherstone, and then the fight was on with Featherstone and, and Jeff Brown. I'm sorry, and uh, not Jeff Brown, uh, uh, Keith Brown fighting. Another scuffle broke out with Ronick and Chimernick went up and shoved Kelly Chase, uh, who has been who had been called up by Peoria for the Blues in case something like this happened. <laughs> uh, Goulet attacked Chase, then Darren Kimball acquired by the Blues to beef up the lineup. 
Uh, he came into the fray and apparently leaving the bench to do so, Kimball yanked Roenick off the pile and pummeled Roenick while Rod Brindamore held on to Roenick. Kimball broke Roenick's tooth and cut Roenick's lip. So things got crazy in this game. And again, they call it the St. Patrick's Day Massacre. It was on March 17th, 1991. Uh, was this in the height of you hating the Blues there, Jeff? Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, this is, you know, when the Blackhawks were on their quick rise and then they had a quick descent after that. Uh, but, you know, it was it was my, like, in 91, that was my junior year in high school. So, I mean, it's real clear in my memory, this this happening. And, uh, you know, Roenick and all the... All the one, you know, the, the older fans that we like to look back on, like Belfour and and uh, Dominic Hasek was on the team at that time, and uh, Ch- you had Chelios, and you had so you you had like a lot of really good players on that on those teams. But then, of course, you had you know the Meatheads, and you you needed them at that time. Like you mentioned, Grimson and Manson and Peluso. I mean, Peluso and Grimson themselves. I mean, geez, each of them probably had over three hundred penalty minutes each year. Um, and you don't see anything. You don't see anyone with 300 penalty minutes anymore. And then Manson was no slouch himself either. So, um, and it, Manson, he, I remember, man, he was a big guy. He was Manson, a guy that you did not want to mess with. Manson. Yeah. 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 He was a big guy. And, and I, and, and we bring that and I bring that up because if you watch the video, you see Stevens and Manson leave the pile, head out to center ice mm-hmm. and drop their gloves and just have a, slugfest at like center ice just it, it was like an old school like i don't know if there's many fights like that anymore or if there has been a sense but there was just the slugfest at center ice with those guys and manson was a tough dude like he he didn't always he wasn't always the the, the penalty leader or anything like that but he was definitely a tough dude and feared by a lot of people so yeah that uh that that uh, that that portion of the fight when Stevens and Manson come out to center. It's kind of like a, a main event coming out. Like uh, Tony Twist used to do that. Even Ryan Reeves used to do that for the Blues, mm-hmm. where uh, there'd be a pile and then two guys would kind of emerge and then there'd be a, a main event there at center ice. And that's exactly what happened. I mean, Scott Stevens, for those that remember those days, Scott Stevens and, and, and Dave Manson, two haymaker throwers, two guys who, who could handle themselves. And, uh, got the video of this it, just looking back now, especially at where we're at now in the NHL in 2019 and watching this type of video, it just really shows you how much the game has truly changed. Cause you do not see this anymore. Anything along the lines like this, not even close. No, you're not going to see, you barely see line brawls anymore. Uh, yeah. you know, maybe it, once a year. Yeah. Like once a year, once every three years, something like that. And even when it's a line brawl, it's like a couple of guys that weigh hundred and you know, 180 pounds you know, uh, slapping each other in the face. And it's, it's not really like it used to be at all. Yep. That's, that's true. So uh, this was again, right in the, to, for me, at least the heat of the rivalry between the Blackhawks and blues. This was uh, some of the ugly days that we saw between these two teams. So of course uh, just uh, the next year, the Blackhawks go to the cup final with Mike Keenan behind the helm. And um, many of those same players we've already mentioned on that team, they lose to the uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins, and then uh, the next year after that, they meet the St. Louis Blues in the playoffs. So going into that round, I know that uh, St. Louis was thinking, okay, we're getting the, the former West or the former Conference champs. We're getting uh, Jeremy Roenick and and just that team of of guys who 
I mean, feared along the NHL. I mean, Jeremy Roenick is a guy that that I hated as a player. I liked him a little more when he went to Phoenix because you didn't have to see him, uh, you know, six, seven times a year. But uh, but Roenick was a guy for me that in the in the height of of the Blues and Blackhawks rivalry from the '90s that I just could not stand. Who was that guy for you on the Blues side? Oh man, it, the, there's a because I go so far back. There's there's a list of names that you know I I hated people the the Cavallini brothers. <laughs> oh, yeah. I hated them, hated them, and that that was back you know before you know the Blackhawks were actually that good. But like, uh, I remember so many times where it was just like, you didn't think the blues were going to be able to beat you, but you know, it was going to be a tough game. And then the blues would come out and, uh, you know, they'd win this series and you'd get someone like Greg Millen yeah. who would stand on his head for an entire series. And you're like Greg Millen. And you think of yourself, Greg Millen hasn't done a damn thing the entire season, but he comes in here against the Blackhawks and he completely owns them. Now I have a soft spot for, for left-handed goalies. So, and Greg Millen eventually played for the Blackhawks, but, um, you know, it's just like that. The Cavalini, like I said, the Cavalini brothers and, and, you know, I, I wasn't, I wasn't all that hot when, uh, you know, Brett Hull was playing for him because he kills you. He just kills. And yeah, he, he's, uh, to me, it's funny because I've actually had this discussion with another Blackhawks fan that I know, uh, People, you know, we talk about how Patrick Kane is such a blues killer now. And I'm like, hey, that's that's just that's your payback for us having Brett Hall for all those years. Yeah, because he always seemed to score against the Blackhawks. Yeah, for sure. He scored against everybody. But yeah, for sure. Blackhawks and Red Wings. It seemed like he really kind of elevated his game every time that he played those two teams. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, we talk about the series sweep in 1993 for the Blues. Uh, Again, that was the Craig Janney goal that uh, made Belfour lose his mind. Uh, Hall, four games played in that series, five goals, three assists for eight points. So a real good, strong showing from him. The rest of the Blues offense, Craig Janney, Jeff Brown, they also scored six points each in the series. Ed Belfour's save percentage, not great. Uh, 866 save percentage, uh, 84 saves on 97 Blues shots. Um, I know it's hard to, to, to look back that long ago, but um, was there any doubt at that point that, uh, that maybe Belfour was kind of kind of losing it after such a strong playoff year the year before. Yeah. I mean, that was kind of, after that was kind of, it, it it's weird that it's like eerily similar to what happened, you know, a, a couple of years ago uh, in 2016 uh, when the blues, you know, beat the Blackhawks and uh, it's just like the, uh, you know, they were so good. And then the next year they come out and they just lay an egg. And uh, I, I, I'm not really sure what happened there. I, I think, there were a lot of egos. Um, I think I, I may be mixing my years up, but I think that's the year that uh, Daryl Sutter took over and Mike Keenan left. Uh, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Daryl Sutter was the the young up and coming, coming Blackhawks coach and they didn't want to lose them to another team. So they kind of didn't know what to do with Mike Keenan. They try, you know, and, and Mike Keenan ended up leaving. It was a weird, you know, you're thinking one of the, you know, one of the better teams has a lot of wins They're They got a lot of players and they're dumping coaches. Like it doesn't make any sense, but that was a lot of what happened with the Blackhawks back in that era. I mean, Dollar Bill Wirtz ran the team weirdly. Uh, there's just a lot did. strange things. You know, he sold off Belfour. He sold off Roenick. He sold off Chelios. I mean, Chelios was kind of a little bit, but 
he sold all the good players off and you know for much of the 2000s were you know the the or at least the beginning of the 2000s the blackhawks were terrible because you know uh Wirtz didn't want to pay any of the players uh big salaries and he, he wanted to do everything on the cheap which is weird in a big big market city like that but that's what he wanted to do i mean hell yeah it took till 2007, I think it was, until the Blackhawks were actually on TV, the home games, for your for your fans. We did not get to see home games on TV till the late, you know, 2000s. That was when he passed, too, yeah. wasn't it? It was, it was immediately after he passed, yeah. And his son took over the team. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, he, I remember uh, uh, multiple years there, because, you know, I mean, my heyday was the Blues teams in the late 90s, 2000, 2001, in that area, so... I remember the the Blackhawks just being just horrible. I mean, almost not even worthy of 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 being an NHL roster because mm-hmm. there were so many guys that were basically making league minimum um, because the the, the 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 owner didn't want to spend money, didn't want to pull out the pocketbook, and uh, it was rough. I mean, there was a couple of years there, like I said, two thousand two thousand one, where I was thinking, man, I kind of want the Blackhawks just to make the playoffs because. I feel so bad for their fans at this point to have to watch this garbage. Well, that was the the fans disappeared. I mean, I was one of them. I I I was doing a lot of other things at the time, and I'm like, I don't have time to to invest in this team uh, that doesn't want to compete. Uh, they don't want to put a decent roster on, and uh, I hated Dollar Bill Wirtz. I mean, I I'm not alone in being one of the fans that would have gladly danced on his grave. He <laughs> uh, we think he ruined the organization for a good portion of our lives by not letting, first of all, not letting them be on TV. Cause he thought that that would take away from ticket sales. Obviously that was wrong because they've been on TV since 2007 and they were one of the, you know, they had the, some of the best attendance uh, in that time as well. So, uh, you know, I, I, but he was just allowed to do it cause he owned the team. So, and, and I, you know, I disappeared for a while and I came back around, you know, the 2008, uh, you know, after he died, pretty much, I I I, can't, I got back into it, and luckily they they got really good right after that as well, too. So, so you uh, that means you probably missed most of the what I always call this era, the Eric Daza, the Eric Daze era for the Chicago Blackhawks. I mean, I knew it was going on, <laughs> I, you know, I, I tangentially, you know, watched what was going on, and I knew you know who who they had and stuff, but um. Yeah, I wasn't watching games day to day. I mean, clearly I couldn't because you can't watch home games. You had to wait for a, and and literally, I mean, this 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 is this is how it is was in 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 Chicago land for a long time. When I was uh probably I don't know junior high before I could drive, uh, I would spend the night at my friend's house. We would uh, we would have our bicycles. We'd get on our bicycles at you know seven o'clock at night. We'd ride them to the local bowling alley where they had a bar like had like an open bar, and we would go sit in the bar is, you know, what, 14, 15-year-old kids sit in the bar and because the bars would buy what was called, quote-unquote, Hawk Vision. It was a pay-per-view service that you could get in the playoffs, and that's how we would be able to watch Blackhawks playoff games was to go to a bar, a local bar. And luckily, they didn't chase us out, but that was, you know, just to watch a game. That was the trouble we had to go through around here. That's crazy. I mean, that wasn't that long ago. This wasn't, uh, we're not talking 1960s here. We're talking right. just, you know, 20 years ago, 21, 22, 23 years ago, even that these games weren't being broadcasted. That's insane. I mean, Bill Wirtz, 
man, I remember when he passed. I and I remember a Blackhawks writer. I don't remember who it was at the time. You know that that said, listen, this is a tragedy. It's sad. We're, we feel for the Warts family, but this might be the best thing to happen for the Blackhawks. Lo and behold, just a couple of years later, it was. <laughs> Luckily, they were kind of on the rise because they had already, you know, they already dealt with you know the Kane and Taves drafts because they were so bad. They were, you know, picking so high every year. Eventually, they had to do all right. Uh, don't tell the Oilers that, but <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll see. There's always next year for the Oilers. <laughs> yeah, that used to be the Cubs. There's always next year. I do want to mention, even though uh, we're kind of moving on to the Kane and Taves era, but I do it would be remiss if I didn't mention the 2020. Ugh, I cannot say 2002 anymore. I always want to call it 2020. <laughs> yeah. Um, the 2002 series. Now, this was uh, the first playoff appearance for Chicago in five seasons. Uh, Tony Amante was the captain of the team. This was, like you said, the post years of Ronick, Belfort, Chelios, and all those players. Eric Daze, Alexei Zhamnov, Tyler Arneson were some of the bigger names on the team. They all <laughs> went pointless in the series. Uh, and uh, the Blues lost the opening game, but then they won the next four. And three of those were via shutout by, of course, the greatest goalie of all time, Brent Johnson. Uh, they won the game. Game five was not a shut up, but they won that one to close out the series. Uh, Johnson still has the blues franchise record of, uh, 206 minutes and 45 seconds of shutout, uh, tied the NHL record with three consecutive postseason shutouts. Now I know this was kind of when you were focusing on other things in your life, but, uh, what do you remember about this series? And did you think that there was any chance the Blackhawks were going to get past the Blues that year? No, it, at that point in time, it was like if the Blackhawks made the playoffs, it was they were lucky. And uh, when they when they made a play, they, they weren't going to make it past. They may make they might make it past the first round, but they can pass the second round was was not an option. They're just they didn't have the quality of player that uh, you needed to. I mean, Jamnoff is a good player. Uh, I still own a Tony Amante jersey. I, I love the guy, you know, he was a goal scorer, but he was not that superstar level player. Uh, Daze was hurt a lot. I mean, that year he played 82 games, but he was still only 26. And uh, shortly after that, he started having a bad back. So, um, you know, and their goaltending, Jocelyn Tebow, I was not a fan of. Uh, you know, they brought him in. He was better than what they had before that, but um, I was not a big Jocelyn Tebow guy. But, I mean, even if you look at the defense, uh, they just not, did not have a lot of good players on that team. I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention, and the Blackhawks fans, you know, there's there's always these funny things that, that they talk about, in, you know, Blackhawks lore, um, and some of them are the ABC line. And you brought up Tyler Arneson, but you had Tyler Arneson, Mark Bell, and Kyle Calder, who were all relatively close in age. They were actually one year apart, and they, they that was a line. It was called the ABC line. And everyone jokes about that now because it was like, it was supposed to be like, you know, the next up and coming guys that the Blackhawks had, but they still were not that good. So they were like a second tier. They're probably a good second line, but they were definitely not superstars. So um, yeah, I, I have, I have to mention the ABC line when we, when we talk about this, this, you know, era of Blackhawks, but they were also going back and they were uh, signing retreads in players that were good earlier in their career, but then they sign them when they're like 37, 38 years old. And, you have Phil Housley, who played for the Blackhawks that year, had 15 goals, you know, he had 39 points, but he was a 37 year old Phil Housley. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, they did that a lot. Uh, they signed a lot of older guys. Like Steve Thomas, they had, a, I think they brought him back that year. Um, he was he scored when, a goal in that series. He was good when he was younger. I mean, he was a sniper. He was a hell of a sniper. He had a great shot, but you know, they brought him back and sometimes the Blackhawks do that. I mean, like this year they re-signed Christopher Stieg to play in the AHL and um, it seems like the retreads never work and they never seem to learn. Uh, but yeah, those are some of the names. Uh, Jamnoff, I mean, that was an unfortunate situation because a lot like with Blackhawks trading Nicholas Jalmerson for uh, Connor Murphy. Connor Murphy is never going to be Nicholas Jalmerson, but because he was traded for Nicholas Jalmerson, Blackhawks fans then say, well, if he's not, if he's not the next Nicholas Jalmerson, he sucks. Mm-hmm. I have the same with Alex Jamnoff. Alex Jamnoff was a pretty good player, but he was not Jeremy Roenick and he was traded for Jeremy Roenick. So, and he steps in as the first line center. He was never going to be Jeremy Roenick. He was, he was doomed from the get go. And it's unfortunate, but that's just kind of how it was, you know. Oh, the Blues have Blues have definitely had their uh, their takes of that. I mean, through the the late two thousand, there, um, you know, Jay McClement was a guy who came up, and um, for some reason, he was touted as this excellent prospect. And um, because the team had gotten rid of Doug Waite that year, it was well, Jay McClement's the next Doug Waite. Mm, no, nah, no, nah, he's more of a defensive center, you know, but. They still trotted him out on the first line, and there was a lot of people that were mad that he wasn't scoring goals or putting up points. And it was like, you know, he's that's not the type of player he is. That's just the position that he's been put in. Right. But yeah. I think Blues fans can relate to that. Yeah. And, and, and it, the Blackhawks actually had Michael Nylander on that team as well. You know, uh, father of William and uh, what was the other one? Uh, the other Nylander. But yeah, uh, they had Nylander on that team for a while. And he was, a, you know, he's a good player, but was not, you know, anything really super wonderful. He was a 60 point player, but at that time, a lot of players were getting 60 points. I mean, Steve Sullivan was getting 60 points at that time. So that was a guy that I actually always really liked with Steve Sullivan. It sounds weird, but I loved his, the way he carried the puck. He just, he was so fluid and I loved the way he played and it, it, it drove me insane because he was a black Hawk and then a Nashville predator. Yeah. He, and he was a little guy too. I think he was only like five, eight, five, nine. Yep. So at that time, you know, you needed to be a bigger player to be able to compete in the league. And, uh, you know, the smaller players usually just got pushed around because you could be pushed around then. Right. So, uh, so uh, talking about the late two thousands, obviously this is, uh, this is when the, uh, the Blackhawks started to rise a little bit. The blues were going through their rebuild. You get Taves, you get Kane, Bill Wirtz passes, Rocky Wirtz takes over. Uh, and I believe it was 2009. Correct me if I'm wrong, that the, Blackhawks uh, went to the Western final and lost to the Red Wings. Is that correct? Yeah, that is correct. And it's the same year that they, the first time they were in the, uh, uh, the winter classic. Uh, yeah. Wrigley field. Uh, they, that's kind of, and you brought up Detroit before. This is kind of when the, the, the torch was passed, even though they didn't beat Detroit in the, in the, uh, you know, the conference final Detroit kind of, they were really old. This was kind of their last hurrah. They beat the Blackhawks in the winter classic. And then he beat the Blackhawks in the playoffs. But then after that, Really, they hand they basically handed the torch over to the Blackhawks, and that was when the Blackhawks kind of took over. And in 2010, you know, they went. We know what happened then, and and Detroit went over in the other division, and kind of they stuck around for a little while, and they had that playoff run, and that ended, and uh, that was kind of a joke as well. It's kind of like Kel Ripken's game streak, you know. They kind of doctored it, so did you know they were bringing in guys at the end of the year just so they could make the playoffs. They didn't, weren't even going to compete, but they just wanted to make the playoffs. 
Right. And uh, yeah, so that's really 2009. I, I look at is when Detroit kind of passed the, the torch over to the Blackhawks and said, here you go. We're out of here. And uh, you know, we had a good, good run for about seven years there. Yeah. So um, I mean, that's, that's an interesting year. That I means obviously 2009, they lose the Red Wings, but you know, things are, are on the upswing. 2010, they come out, they, they go to the Stanley Cup final, they beat Chris Pronger and the Philadelphia Flyers. Now, looking at that year for me as a Blues fan, again, people listen to the show who are Blues fans are going to hate me for saying this. I was rooting for the Blackhawks because, well, actually, I was, root, I was actually rooting for the Flyers. I'm not going to lie, because I like Chris Pronger and I wanted him to win. But I was happy for the Blackhawks when they won, and I was happy for their fans because of all the, like we talked about through the show, the Bill Wirtz years, all the fans that were there that, that that stuck through it or were huge Blackhawk fans back in the day and then kind of took a backseat to the Cubs or the White Sox and then kind of just came back when, when Bill Wirtz passes and Rocky Wirtz takes over. Um, I, I wanted, for those fans, I wanted them to experience it. I've always said I feel like every fan base deserves to see a championship. Obviously, well, I want the Blues to win. That's a big part of it. Mm-hmm. But... Uh, you know, yes, the Blackhawks had won years and years and years ago, but so many fans weren't around at that time in the sixties. Um, you know, it, it, so for, for you, the, the Blackhawks fan who had been through it all had seen the cup final in 93. And then for, for your team to finally get it done in 2010, uh, hopefully blues fans will be able to relate to your response here by the time this airs, but we'll see. Um, what was that like for you being able to see your team finally lift the cup? Oh, I mean, God, it was incredible. I mean, being being a hockey player and a hockey fan and being, you know, a, a huge Blackhawks fan, um, you know, since I was uh, you know, probably, I don't know, in grammar school. Um, I mean, it was, it, and it was a weird time in my life too. I'm like, I just had a daughter. She was two. So I just had my first kid. Uh, you know, it was really an emotional time in my life. My, you know, my father had passed a, a couple of years before. So it's like, we finally had this bit of glory. Um, because other than the White Sox, you know, we had the Bulls, I guess, in, uh, you know, the, in, in, in the late nineties and, you know, the White Sox won in the mid two thousands, but I'm not a big baseball fan. I'm not a big blast or basketball fan. It was nice to see. I was happy for the city. I enjoyed it. Uh, but like, there was nothing that really struck my heart like the Blackhawks did. And it was stressful. It was anxiety inducing. Uh, because you just wait and and you as a blues fan and I, and this is not a shot at you guys you probably feel this way a lot like how are they going to screw it up yep. how is this going to go bad what's going to happen what crazy thing what kind of plane crash is going to happen that's going to make this thing go bad and that's how we felt as blackhawks fans uh and then it finally happened and then just everything can't let loose and it was, you know, it was wonderful. I mean, it's kind of a lot like when the Cubs win. Again, I'm not a baseball fan, but with the Cubs winning, you know, Cubs fans went nuts and kind of the same with the Blackhawks, you know. Uh, it was just, it was really cool to see. And, and it was a great team. It really was. Uh, yeah. There were so many guys. I mean, they had to let a lot of guys go because the, the, it was basically kind of like how Toronto was this year. They had all these great players, you know, and uh, we knew that they were all on like entry level deals and they were on cheap deals, but soon they were all going to have to be paid a lot of money and the Blackhawks were not going to be able to keep them all. So you gotta, you gotta strike while the iron's hot. And they did Toronto. On the other hand, 
They have not struck while the iron's hot. And now they're hitting their cap hell. And they're starting to, they're going to probably have to unload players before they win a cup, which is, you know, it's unfortunate for them. But, you know, as Blackhawks fans, we can kind of snicker in the background and be like, <laughs> we, you know, we were able to pull it off, but you weren't. Uh, they could still win a cup, but, um, you know, it's just, it was like everything, all the, all the planets aligned, all, you know, you, you, they had three solid, solid, solid lines. And even their fourth line was really good. And uh, their defense was really good. But, you know, we saw shortly after, I mean, that summer they had to unload, you know, probably a good six, six, seven people that were good players on the Blackhawks. And, yep. uh, you know, it took them a couple of years. It took them till 2013 to, to really build it back up again. And a lot of people don't realize that like that next year, they almost missed the playoffs. They were one game. They They actually were out of the playoffs and I believe it was the wild had to beat Dallas. And I think that's what it was. And I think why the wild were not, you know, that good. So basically all the Blackhawks had, were making their, their vacation plans for the summer and the wild ended up beating Dallas and putting the Blackhawks into the playoffs that next year. They really didn't deserve to be there. They weren't that good. They had, you know, again, signed a bunch of retreads that next year, uh, lost people like Dustin Bufflin, you know, I mean, he was, a, he's look at him now, you know, <laughs> I never would have thought that he was the one guy that they were going to say, Hey, you know, we really wish we didn't lose him, but uh, you know, he was, you know? So uh, yeah, obviously your, your team continues to make the playoffs, the blues, their rise to stardom. We start seeing a lot of uh, pretty memorable games between the two teams. I remember uh, in that somewhere in that span, probably the 2008, 2009, I do remember one game in particular, don't expect you to a game going to a uh, shootout and uh, it Abby Bolin was in net for the Blackhawks and TJ Oshie scoring a big, uh, big goal in the shootout on him. And I just remember thinking, Oh my God, we beat the Blackhawks and it was just such a, a big deal to us. And then lo and behold, you know, you got to figure what the blues make in the playoffs every year. Now the Blackhawks make in the playoffs. These teams are destined to meet. The Blues ran into the Kings a couple times in a row. But then in 2014, first round playoff matchup. This was the year that a lot of Blues fans truly believed they were going to see a Stanley Cup come to St. Louis. The Blues had acquired Ryan Miller, uh, traded Yaroslav Halak, had gotten Steve Ott. um, And this was uh, a year that they had, I believe, Brendan Morrow was on the team. Their playoff ready roster. Honestly, I look at that roster now and I say, I can't believe we thought that team was going to win a cup, but that's another conversation for another time. Um, but uh, yeah, so this was a this was a big series for the Blues. Um, I, again, I know that this was five years ago, but uh, did the Blues scare you at that time? Or, or were Blackhawks fans just thinking, well, they're just another stepping stone on onto winning our third cup? Uh, well, I mean, the Blackhawks were such a juggernaut that year before. I mean, that was the the, the lockout year. Uh, and then the Blackhawks came out of the lockout and we're just on fire. I mean, they had that game winning streak. Uh, I, I, I'll be honest. I don't think any of the Blackhawks fans really, uh, expected that because, you know, the roster had been decimated a couple of times and, and Bowman had to rebuild the team, you know, a couple of times over at that point in time. So, um, but you know, they were still a good team. They had come off a of Stanley cup, uh, that, that, you know, that next year, uh, they had a couple of good young players, um, they had a couple not so good players, <laughs> you know, they, they were trying to cut some corners and, uh, you know, it was not a super strong team. Um, 
you know, I, I Blackhawks fans would probably laugh at some of the names that I could, I could throw out there, but um, you got to like, you know, Brandon Perry, Brandon Bolig, uh, Brian Bickle, uh, but they had a good defense and, um, you know, they had Joe Quenville as their coach. And as we came, come to find out uh, with Joe Quenville, and I think we maybe didn't necessarily appreciate him as much as we should have, you know, towards the end, he kind of wore out his welcome, but it just went to show and, and, and I don't want to skip too far ahead, but the 2015 cup, I mean, the Blackhawks won the Stanley cup with two defensive pairs. Mm-hmm. Their third defensive pair was garbage. Yes. Hot garbage, steaming, firing garbage. It was terrible. And Emo Timonen, right? Yeah. 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 And yeah. Uh, Michael Roosevelt and, and mm-hmm. but it was terrible. And, and Joe Quenville really willed that team. And I, I think it's going to go, go is one of his best coaching, uh, you know, one of his best years of coaching that year. Cause they didn't, they had no business winning that, that Stanley cup. Uh, yeah. at all. And, uh, but anyway, you know, back to what you're saying, you know, they, they had these guys and, and Quenville always kept them competitive. And luckily, you know, when you're carrying players on your roster, like Marion Hosa, Patrick Kane, uh, Jonathan Taves, uh, you know, those, those are good players, you know, they're going to go down in Blackhawks lore is, you know, some of the best to ever play for the team and maybe, you know, some of the best to play in the league. And, uh, you have, you know, Duncan Keith and, and Brent Seabrook was still, you know, a good quality player who's still, you know, in his late twenties and Patrick Sharp. And we even, they even had Andrew Shaw coming up and surprising people. And, uh, you know, they, they still had a pretty good team, but after the first, like, you know, two lines, then it got a little sketchy. Right. So, you know, it, it was, Sometimes it was a little bit of a relief because we were going through some long post seasons and some of them were like, you know, you're not, you know, they're not going to make it to the cup, you know, let's get some rest. Let's sign some new players and, and things like that. So, um, you know, we would have liked to have seen it, but again, it's, you know, it was a retooling thing and you had some weird new players showing up in the lineup and they were doing things like signing 41 year old Nikolai hobby bull to come back as a retread We right. mentioned retreads before and they did it again. Mm-hmm. And the problem with that is, is that Nikolai Hobby Bullen just literally fell to pieces. And uh, yeah, and, and of course, the Blackhawks brought up Antti Ranta. And now everyone's familiar with who Antti Ranta is, but they had signed this no-name goalie out of, you know, Sweden or Finland uh, to, to to be in Rockford. And, and he shows up and turns out to be a pretty decent backup. So, uh, but I mean, I you you like to think that they can win every year, but. I, I'm the kind of writer and, and John and, and all the people at our site, we're, we're realistic about um, the Blackhawks and their, their faults and the things they do wrong. And uh, some people aren't like that. Some people are, you know, whatever your team does is the greatest. And <laughs> that's not always the case. It's not the case with what I believe. And, and I try to, you know, pass that on to the fans. That's kind of why we created a website in the first place. We created a podcast. We wanted people to be realistic. Not every prospect is the best prospect in the world. The Blackhawks aren't going to win the Stanley Cup every year. They have holes. They have problems. Their management isn't perfect. Like you should know this. And these are what these are what the problems are. And that's kind of how we. That's kind of been our whole philosophy on our website. And actually, when I had my own website for several years, I had my own website that I just wrote 
just because I wanted to write. I don't even know. I can't, I can't tell you how many fans we had, but I just did it because I like doing it, uh, talking about the Blackhawks. And I wanted to pass on my hockey knowledge. I'm not going to say expertise because I don't think it's expertise, but pass on my knowledge and how I feel about you know the organization from top to bottom to fans. And I wanted them to be realistic and pragmatic as well. So that's, you know, because, you know, if, if they lost, you know what, they probably were, didn't deserve to be there anyway. I, you know, especially in the, in the late two thousands and, and stuff, it's like, you know, they're a good team, but uh, you know, it wasn't like, you know, in the nineties where, you know, the Blackhawks, when they were, you know, they won the president's trophy and they were swept by the uh, Minnesota North stars who are the last seed. Like that was heartbreaking. There was no reason that should have ever happened. Yeah, and, well, uh, the 2000 Blues can relate to that. Yeah. The San Jose Sharks, that was a rough year. Yeah, and, and the Blackhawks did it. I mean, I still remember the Minnesota North Stars, and that was, I remember sitting in those bars, in those, you know, bowling alley bars, watching the Minnesota North Stars, who were not that good, just fillet the Blackhawks, who were the President's Trophy winning team, and get, you know, swept. I mean, it it still was shown, like this year with with the Lightning, you know, getting swept by the 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 blue uh the blue jackets like this the the blackhawks losing to the north stars that one year is is put up there in that lore of teams winning the president's trophy and dominating and then getting swept mm-hmm. i've saw that in like several polls and stuff like was this the worst folding of a team ever or was the blackhawks you know when they lost that year so rough. yeah it's rough to see your team associated with something like that yeah uh, <laughs> It was so long ago, and they've won three cups since, so it's it's a little bit easier to digest now. So right, yeah, I could imagine. Uh, yeah. So the the series that we were talking about, I do want to ask one thing because I know that there was a lot of people who who want to hear your take on the wakey wakey backets moment. Uh, obviously, Blues fans have a different take on David Backus now after the series with Boston. Yeah, but uh, at the time, you know, this was when Seabrook uh, charged Backus. He got a five minute charging penalty and a three game suspension. Um, and, uh, yeah, the wakey, wakey back, as I believe was uttered by Duncan Keith, although he, uh, denies it. Mm-hmm. Allegedly, he said this to Bacchus. Um, what was your take on, on, on the charge, the suspension, and then the, the, the kind of how wakey, wakey back has kind of became a rallying cry for Blackhawks fans. I saw t-shirts, everything to do with that. So what, what was it like in Chicago? Uh, on the other end of of what Blues fans call a, a an egregious play, you might be kind of surprised about uh, my take on the whole thing. And let me give you a little bit of a backstory on this. Um, I was running my other website. It was called Puck and Hostel, and of course, you you uh, my Twitter name is Puck and Hostel. I've been you know I had my own website and stuff like that, but um, I w- I had some other writers that were with me, and they liked uh, they liked to harass Blues fans about that. But at the time, I mean, honestly, and I wrote several times and a lot of other Blackhawks writers that um, were kind of in the same circle at the same time were like, yeah, Seabrook definitely deserved to be suspended. I mean, there was no doubt about it. You can't deny it. If you deny it, you look stupid. I mean, mm-hmm. honestly, he, he charged him like it was a bad play. Um, you know, in the heat of the game, things like that happen. They happen everywhere. Uh, that doesn't excuse it. Uh, he deserved what he got. Um, the wakey wakey thing. You would have hoped that your team would have been a little classier at that point in time. Uh, it's, it's, 
you know, since then, if Bacchus was hurt more and, you know, like long term, couldn't come back, was out months and months, like it would have been, it would have looked even worse. When he came back and he was able to play at some point in time, then it's like, okay, then we can joke about it. But like, it was really unfortunate. It was the same kind of thing. Like Duncan Keith did the same thing to uh, one of the Sedines where he kind of came out of nowhere and there was a puck like up in the air and the Sedines were kind of looking up at it and he kind of elbowed the Sedine and knocked him out of the series. And basically the Blackhawks ended up winning the series because that, that guy was, you know, he wasn't in the, in the series. And it's like, do you really want to win that way? I right. don't really want to win that way. Sure. It's great. You don't like Bacchus. We hated Bacchus. Hated, hated, hated Bacchus. You know, um, but, you know, we didn't like Barry Jackman either. Um, but, you know, you don't want, you just, common sense tells you you don't want, I mean, the guy's got kids, the guy, you know, you don't want to see that. So, like, there were several meatball Blackhawks fans who were like, oh, great, you know, it's just hockey. What do you need? You know, you need to put a cheerleading skirt on and da, 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 da. And, like, I don't really feel that way about it. I feel like, you know, Seabrook, he definitely crossed the line and, uh, and that's, that's the other thing too. It's like, you know, you, you get the meatballs that are going to send you screenshots and, uh, yeah, well, his, his elbow wasn't here and his elbow was there and it wasn't this and it wasn't that. And he didn't leave his feet. And it's like, it deserved a suspension. And again, backstory, Brent Seabrook was my favorite Blackhawk and has been for a long time. I mean, now he's in, he's a shadow of what he used to be, but I own a black. I know my only authentic, jersey is of a black ice mate you know my several hundred dollar you know jersey is a brent seabrook jersey i love him as a player but he crossed the line and uh you know it was unfortunate uh you know and it cost him and it should have cost him because you know again you cross the line and you know after the fact like i said with the thing you can joke with people about it and the wakey wakey thing and use it as a you know a comeback and all that stuff but after he's fine, you know, let's, mm. let's make sure, you know, it I can't live with myself joking around about that with a guy who is like seriously hurt, you know, out for, you know, whatever happened to Paul Korea or what happened to, you know, with uh, Scott Steve Moore. Yeah. I mean, like you don't want to see that no matter how much you don't like the other team. So that's, I mean, that was my take on it then. And it's still my take on it now. I, you, we can joke about it now. And uh, because, you know, unfortunately, you know, Bacchus was okay. And just because you don't like a player doesn't mean you want him to die or, you know, right. it's like you, you, you have to be realistic about this whole, the whole thing. So that's, I mean, that's kind of honestly my take on it. It was my take back then too. It was like, Seabrook deserved it. I mean, just yeah. deserved the, the charging penalty, he shouldn't have done it. He should have let up a little bit or he should have, you know, hit him a little lower or something. But, you know, I got- remember, I remember Blues fans thinking that when the suspension was handed out, that that closes the series, the Blues are going to go on to win this thing. Not the case. Uh, the Blue, the Blackhawks go on to win in six games. Uh, thanks to a couple OT goals, Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taves, John Taves one was uh, one in game five where he came in on the breakaway and Ryan Miller and beat him. Um, as I've told people on the show multiple times, I was at that game. Uh, the minute Taves got that pass at center ice, uh, my head went into my hands. I've still not seen that goal. So I still don't know what it looks like because uh, I refuse to watch it. That was on my birthday too. So Wow. I, yeah. yeah, that was a rough, rough birthday for me. 
Yeah, I actually, uh, in my previous podcast, uh, it was called the Puck and Hostile Shoutcast. And uh, in my intro, I had the call, the Blackhawks call from that goal in uh. the intro because that was just like nuts. Like it was so. Well, the the clearing pass by Keith, he even admitted, like they asked him, did you know Taze was there? And he said, no, he was just clearing the puck out. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah, it was luck. It was great. Like I, I, I can remember standing downstairs in front of my TV, just as soon as he gets the puck on his stick, I jump up in the air and my hands are in the air because I was recapping all the games at that point in time. So I watched them real close and I remember my hands are up in the air. I knew it was, you know, I knew what it was because it's Jonathan Taves. I mean, the guy, you know, when he was in juniors, he, he had like, what, five uh, shootout attempts in a row? I mean, breakaways are were his thing. Like, you don't stop Jonathan Taves on a breakaway. Yep. So he was like, yep. yeah. That was rough. That was a rough mm-hmm. game. So obviously the uh, Blackhawks going to win the series. The Blues lose in the first round again. A um, couple roster shakeups, and uh, the Blues end up uh, making the playoffs again the next year, lose to the Minnesota Wild. But then in 2016, this was the year that uh, – the Blues and Blackhawks meet back up in the first round and um, different feel, at least in St. Louis for this series. Uh, Brian Elliott had uh, overtaken the number one job from Jake Allen, like so many goalies have. <laughs> and uh, he uh, he plays great this whole series. He played a great playoff year that year, um, played really well against uh, the Dallas Stars as well in the second round. But uh, uh, the Blues end up uh, going up three to one. And then in true Blackhawk fashion, never say die, never give up. They battle back. Uh, they win game five in, in double overtime with another Patrick Kane OT goal, which uh, that's one of the games. I, I actually had forgotten about that game. I was looking at some of the best playoff games in Blues history. And even though the Blues lost that one, that was an exciting game. Uh, Blues losing over in, in double overtime to Patrick Kane, uh, who had a really, really great play to go around some blues defenders and then circle the wagon and go behind the net and, and able to poke the puck in. Mm. But uh, just a, a great, great battle for the blacks, Blackhawks and, and blues. And, uh, and then obviously they capture game six, they force a game seven at this point for you, this is only a couple of years ago. So I'm comfortable asking you this. Did you think that the Blackhawks were going to go into St. Louis in game seven and win that series? Cause of the way they battled back. Yeah. Uh, you know, after three, cups and with Joel Quenville behind the bench, you know, I hate to, I hate the term anything can happen, but anything can happen. And, you know, the, the Blackhawks actually, uh, you know, they, they acquired some players that year. I think uh, I'm looking at the roster now like this when they got Andrew Ladd back and uh, they had, they had gone out and traded and gotten like Dale Weiss, like basically Stan Bowman had said, you know, we're going, we're going all in, which, you know, he, he didn't do a lot of, he, he was criticized for before, um, but he had gone out and made a bunch of acquisitions that year. And, uh, you know, they had Artemi Panarin, who was a, a huge surprise. Uh, you know, anything could have happened because really with those teams and in that division, weirder things have happened. So, right. yeah, I, I, I fully believe with a team with, uh, you know, Jonathan Taze and, and Patrick Kane and, and Duncan Keith still in sort of their prime that they could will their team. And they showed in 2015 that they could do that, you know, without a lot of without a lot of depth in their, in, on their roster. You know, they could 
they could be top heavy and kind of have a bunch of you know turds in the bottom bottom part of the lineup that could that they could kind of drag through the playoffs. So it was it was very very reasonable to think that the Blackhawks could have done that. But did it surprise me that they they went out? No, not at all. Um, you know they're we were kind of getting to a point in the Blackhawks, you know, their quote unquote dynasties where sooner or later they're going to fall off. And we were kind of all waiting every year for it to fall off. And 2015 was actually a weird year because we thought that they were falling off and they were in somewhere, you know, out of nowhere, they just kind of put all the pieces together that year and everything seemed to work, but we kept waiting. I, you know, I would, the, anyone who's a reasonable fan kept waiting for them to fall off. And clearly now we know what has happened. You know, they have fallen off, but we were just waiting for it to happen years before. So the the fact that they, you know, they lost not a huge, uh, not a huge, uh, you know, surprise. Uh, did it, did it hurt any more that it was a former Blackhawk, Troy Brower, that kind of sealed the deal for the blues there? Yeah. Well, Yeah. Kind of, yeah. But, you know, if you're going to write that story, that's how it would have gone. Right. So did it surprise you? No. Nothing really surprised you at this point in time. But, um, yeah, it it sucks that Troy Brower, and you're like, ah, not him. (laughs) Of course it was. So, you know, what are you going to do? Yep. That, uh, well, that, that turns out to be, and like you've kind of alluded to there, this, uh, the the end of the Blackhawks reign. They, they lose that, then they get swept by the Predators the next year. Um, and make a couple moves, and now all of a sudden they are not in the playoffs. How soon, in your opinion, because obviously you follow the team pretty closely, do you expect this team to be able to be back in playoff contention? Um, I know that a lot of people thought this year they could have made a push. They had a strong January and, and February, and we're, we're getting close, but then kind of fell off again. Do you think that in the the Keith and Taves and, and Kane era that they will be back in the playoffs anytime soon? They, uh, I mean, this year, honestly, they could, they'll probably make the playoffs. Um, that could be, you know, is a last wild card seed. It's probably more likely that that's going to be the case. They've got some good pieces. Um, but realistically, I mean, and we preach this to our fans as well. Like you got to look at the, look at what happened this year and they weren't still weren't able to make the playoffs. Uh, Patrick Kane had another career year. Jonathan Taze had a career rebirth year. Um, and you had like, you know, Alex DeBrinkett having an unlikely, uh, you know, 40 goal season. Well, he's, he's good, but he's not that good. <laughs> yeah. We didn't think he was going to be that good. I should say. Um, so you had, uh, you know, Eric Gustafson being in like the top 10 of defensive and scoring Eric Gustafson of all people, uh, you know, Keith had a pretty decent year, but, um, you know, Corey Crawford, uh, you know, he, he, uh, he's another weird situation. Like he hasn't played a full year in a long time. And I don't know if they really have that next guy yet. Uh, it's there's potential there, but they're in this, this weird position where they've got these high end guys who can still sort of compete in their thirties, but what else is behind them? And the roster was real flaky this year um, with, with, you know, young players and, you know, they had Chris Kunitz out there too. But like, I mean, that was why, why are we, why are they doing that? You know, and their defense, uh, I mean, the, one of the worst defenses in the league, 
Um, they gave up, you know, the, some of the most high danger chances. They gave up the uh, second most shots next to uh, Ottawa. I mean, they're a bad team, and only because they scored a lot of goals was were they able to be in that playoff mix. But it was, you know, it was all a facade. They were not that good. They should. They had no business being anywhere in there. It was just the rest of the Western Conference was kind of garbage. Yeah. And, uh, so That's where the Blues got to be where they were. I mean, you look at the way they they started the year, just literally last in the Western Conference. And then, as I we we said throughout the shows that we were recording, that it, things are kind of aligning for the Blues because they were starting to play the way we knew we could. They could, and that the other teams in the West started falling and like you look at Anaheim that just went on a I think it was like was it a, a 212 game losing streak I mean it was crazy how much that team lost and you know the teams like the Kings that just never really put it together and uh the Coyotes fell for a, a while and just all these teams the Blackhawks that they didn't really bring it like you thought they would at the time that you thought they would so for the Blues it was kind of just I don't know, I guess serendipitous for them to be able to to step up and, and play the way we thought they could right when everybody else is starting to falter. Yeah, yeah. And and the Blackhawks, you know, they, they I'm not a Stan Bowman apologist. Uh, I don't, I'm not a huge fan of Stan Bowman either. I think that, you know, he was given a roster in 2010, in 2009, 2010, that was really good. He was given a, he was handed over a team that was really, really good. And he kind of just maintained for a while. But building, you know, he never really had to build, uh, you know, an, a, a team from, you know, the bottom up. And this is the first time, first year where, you know, he made a lot of questionable moves. And luckily, he finally decided or he finally figured out that you got to cut your losses. When you make a mistake, you got to cut a loss. You got to let them go. And he did that this year. Like, you know, then they were claiming Nick Schmaltz was the, and, and you know, your fans will know the Schmaltz name, of course. Right. But Nick Schmaltz, they, you know, he's the next the, the next great playmaker for the Blackhawks. You know what? He he was a perimeter player. He wasn't that good. He was overrated. Uh, you know, his rookie year, he was sent down to Rockford and all he did is pout the entire time. Like they cut him loose. And they got and and Stan, to his credit this year, he made some shrewd moves, got rid of some people. And uh, erased some mistakes and ended up with, you know, Dylan Strom, Drake Kajula, Brendan Parlini, uh, you know, some some pretty decent players. I mean, even Slater Cuckoo, who, you know, they they acquired for Jan Ruda from uh, the Lightning. Like he made some he got rid of like Brendan Manning for Drake Kajula. Drake Kajula is a decent, hard nosed player who can play up and down the lineup. He's never going to score you, you know, 25 goals, probably. But. He's a hard-nosed player. He can play a lot of different positions. He's he's useful. He's a useful util, utility player. Brendan Manning had been sent down to the AHL after being signed to like a you know two three year deal the previous summer to try and help fix this defense. But he cut he cut bait, and I give him credit on that. Then he brought in some players and and the Nick Schmaltz for Dylan Strom trade. I mean, wow, uh, that. You know, when when everything is all said and done, that may turn out to be a you know one of those steals because Dylan Strom had a, had a, like a fifty point year playing in only you know uh, what is he, he played fifty eight games with the Blackhawks and had fifty one points, and Nick Schmaltz ended up blowing out his knee with Arizona, 
and probably would have never scored 50 points with Arizona. So, you know, it, it, they had a lot of stars at the line this year, but this just was not a good team. It really wasn't. They didn't belong in the playoffs. If they would have went in the playoff, if they would have made, wouldn't made the playoffs, they would have been swept or when would have been lucky to to win one game. Uh, just, I would have, honestly, I was ready for them to bottom out, like literally bottom out and be a, you know, top two, three, uh, uh, lottery team so that they, you know, replenish. And, you know, then, then, then all this playoff hullabaloo comes along and it's like, okay, now they're going to pick 12th. Great. Right. You know, they're not going to replenish anything. They're going to get some guy who may be a project, maybe three years out. And then of course the, the draft ladder comes around and they get the third overall pick. Yeah. Right. Oh, my BS and complaining all year long about how I want them to bottom out and get a lottery pick. And they end up getting a lottery pick thrown in their lap. Yep. So but that was, that was the, the conversation in St. Louis when their rise started, when the blues started going through in January and early February. And people were saying, Oh, why is anybody happy about this? Now they're just out of the draft lottery. And, and lo and behold, they just kept winning and kept winning. And, you know, the blues end, end up uh, for about a brief four hour window took first place uh, in, after they got their win in the 82nd game of the season. Mm-hmm. And it was just kind of like looking back and, Remember when people were mad that they were winning? You know, now all of a sudden they're in first place. I mean, it was, uh, it, it's not something that you typically see though. So I can see your point with not, and, and you know, let's face it too. This was the way the, the, the Blues fans expected their team to play. That's not how Blackhawks fans felt going into last season. Yeah, right. So, so I mean, yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was going to ask you, uh, moving along to uh, a question that, was probably asked a lot in the 90s, and actually I know it was. There was a lot of conversations about it. Uh, who was tougher, Bob Probert or Tony Twist? Well, <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say Bob Probert because he was feared by, and even when he was in Detroit, um, I mean, the Blackhawks, Blackhawks fans were terrified of Bob Probert. Yep. Terrified of Bob Probert. Because, I mean, being on both sides of the coin here, you knew Bob Probert was going to beat the hell out of somebody. I mean, he was just one of those guys. He was like, he had a, you know, a cinder block head and he had cinder block fists and he was going to, he was going to beat up anyone in his way. And, and we knew, we knew that as Blackhawks fans. And, you know, if you, if, and and then Bob Probert could also put in 30 goals, (laughs) which it's like, Oh God, really? But you know, and then, you know, he, he got in trouble with the, the, the cocaine stuff and, he had to go to rehab and do that stuff. And I know I was ecstatic when, when the Blackhawks decided to, you know, give him a helping hand and then throw a contract his way. Cause I'm like, if this guy's still, you know, three quarters of what he used to be, he's going to be amazing for this franchise. And, and he was, you know, he's still, you know, looked at is, you know, you know, in the same realm as like, you know, Jeremy Roenick and all that. And at that time, cause, you know, the Blackhawks fans loved him. He had that, the grit, the quote unquote grit, the hashtag, you know, all, all that, that, uh, stereotypical stuff. But, um, you know, twist wasn't far behind. Cause that guy's a maniac. Yes, he was. I mean, Bob Probert was kind of like, he's kind of like the quiet, like he's, yeah, he's like the big dog, the big quiet dog. 
but you screw with him and he's going to pound you. And, yeah. you know, he didn't do it. You know, I, I don't remember him doing a lot of, you know, chirping and talking. He's just going to pound you into the ground if you come after him or if you come after any of the players that he's out there to protect. Tony Twi- or, yeah, Twist, I think he was like one of those nutcases. It was like from the get-go, he wanted to fight. He wanted to beat people up. He didn't care if he got his face bloodied. He didn't care. Like, he was just insane. He was an animal. Yeah, so there were there were like two different types of players, you know. He, Twist was like, he was a loose cannon. Mm-hmm. He liked being beat up. You know, I don't think Probert liked being beat up, but he liked beating other people up. Yep. And uh, it was kind of like John Scott. You know, John Scott was kind of the same way. Like, he's he's going to beat you up. But, you know, he's got... You know, he's got a heart. He's, you know, he's like, he's human. I don't know that Tony Twist was human. <laughs> you know, he's just like, he was like a machine. He was like a, you know, hockey player beating machine kind of guy. That's yeah. I mean, obviously we, we get to know him here in St. Louis. That's, uh, you know, we, he's done a little bit of the, the blues, uh, coverage and, um, he's a big charitable guy. So, so we all love Tony here in St. Louis and I can definitely see your point about Probert. He was a guy that, uh, I know off the ice, everybody always said he was such a super nice guy. And uh, same thing could be said about Twist. But yeah, on the ice, that's not a guy you mess with. He, uh, It was funny. One of my favorite stories was um, you could tell where he got his toughness from. Somebody called him a goon at a game. And his mom was sitting right behind the guy who called him a goon. She she reared back and punched him because <laughs> she called <laughs> this guy called his son a goon. So uh I don't think I don't really want to call Twist a goon either because he wasn't really a cheap shot guy. Neither was Probert, from what I could tell. But um, you know, that, that's the kind of guy they're 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 not in the NHL anymore. They're they're gone. But uh, man, you got to really respect those kind of guys that can just take a beating and then give a beating. Uh, we're all in the same game. Yeah, the Blackhawks have had several, and at least you know when is I've been a fan and. Another another thing that kind of endeared uh, you know Probert to Blackhawks fans is that they were not too far removed from Al Secord. Al Secord scored fifty goals for the Blackhawks, but he also put up three hundred penalty minutes. He was another guy like that, kind of quiet, not a guy who's going to chirp you a lot, but if you screw with him, he's going to beat the hell out of you. And and you know they kind of missed that for a little while, and then they bring in Probert, who's a guy who could score. He was going to score 50 goals, but he could score 25 goals, 20 goals. Like that's, that was unheard of for a guy who was put out there to protect, you know, the skill type players. So um, it was kind of like the second coming of LC cord for Blackhawks fans. I think that's, that's kind of how I look at it. Do you have a least favorite St. Louis blue of all time? Oh, well, I mean, you could go back to the eighties and like I said, the Cavallini brothers and all that stuff and all that nonsense. Um, you know, uh, but I was not a big Barrett Jackman fan at all. Um, I mean, Barrett Jackman, Ryan Reeves, uh, David Backus, those are three guys that I could not stand. Right. Couldn't stand them at all. That means uh, they were doing their job then. Yeah, they, they were, you know, I have said before that like, you know, if you had those guys on your team, you'd probably like them, but, uh, you know, Kind of like Andrew Shaw and the Blackhawks. Like, I I wasn't a huge Andrew Shaw fan, but he's like you, you like that kind of guy that, that causes stirs a little bit. You know, he's got a little bit. You know, he's got the smile on his face, the toothless grin, all that kind of thing. So right. I, you, know, you get it, you get it, you understand it. But I, as a Blackhawks fan, I did not like those three players at all. 
Yeah, for me, it's tough. I mean, obviously, I, I, I throw Jeremy Roenick in there, but then it's hard for me to do that because when he went to Phoenix and played on that line with Kachuk and Dallas Drake, I loved that line. So uh, it's hard for me to say fully Jeremy Roenick because there was a time in his life where I enjoyed him. Um, Patrick Kane is probably up there for me. Um, just, uh, just, he just has that, that, that smirk mm-hmm. that you just want to slap him when he's not on your team. Oh. Oh. So <laughs> I get it. Yeah, I know you do. So you see that and it's funny because, you know, every time I would say, you know, I just need to respect his skill. He'll go out and score another goal on the blues. And I just say, damn it, Patrick Kane. I'm trying to get myself to like you. And I just can't. So it's uh it's it's tough for me. I would say Kane's up there, and then Bob Probert was probably up there. He was a guy that always caused trouble, but uh yeah, it's tough. There's 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 a long list, I think, for both of us that we could uh, we could go off of. Yeah, and, and I, I, again, like you say, or like I was saying before, like I'm a goalie guy, so it was goalies that always like like Greg Millen, like a lefty goalie, I'm a lefty goalie, you know, I, I should like him, but uh <laughs> He used to always kill the Blackhawks and Vincent Riendu. I remember that name. Like yep. it just rings in my head. And like a lot of people will forget, like, but like, you know, Rick Wamsley, uh, you know, they always used to seem to have good games against the Blackhawks. And I don't know yep. why that happened. I don't know if it was just, you know, they brought up their, you know, their comp- their level of competition because, you know, it was a it was a division rivalry or what. But yeah, I mean yeah, Bernie Federko. I'm looking through some of the rosters of like you know some of the old. Uh, I I didn't like you know Glenn Tony Herkus. <laughs> you know. Oh yeah, Herkus. Joseph. I mean, all these names. Like as soon as I said Sergio Mamesel was another guy that I really did not like. Yeah. Uh, as a player, a lot of the defensemen. You know, it, it was hard to hate the Sutter brothers because a lot of them played for the Blackhawks. So that, yeah, you had Brent, Brian, Daryl, and Rich, I believe. Yeah, we had most of them at, at all different times. Dwayne was yeah. around for a while, uh, so it was, it was hard to hate, hate the Sutter brothers. But it was annoying that they were on the Blues. My favorite uh, uh, of the Sutter brothers with the Blues was when Rich and Ron were both on the on the Blues at the same time. So their their jersey literally had their full name spelled out. Yeah, yeah, it was Rich Sutter and Ron Sutter. That was a rarity. It was a rarity. Yeah. You would see that sometimes, but yeah, you would, uh, for sure. But yep. of, the, of all those names, I mean, you could, I could probably grab a couple of them and, uh, but more recently, like I didn't have as much hate more than like, uh, these, these guys are always just tough against us and it's annoying. Uh, the Bacchus thing and the, 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 the Barrett Jackman thing. Like I had a, a true hatred for them when they played for the Blues. <laughs> That's what I imagine. Yeah. So, <laughs> Uh, man, Jeff, this, this has been great. I know our fans are going to really enjoy listening to this episode. Um, I've enjoyed it. It's, I put a lot of work in to try and, and make sure we have plenty of talking points, but let's be honest here. We probably could have just not gone with any kind of outline and you and I could have just sat here and talked blues and Blackhawks for hours. So, um, I appreciate you coming on and doing this. I really enjoyed every, uh, every part of it. I want to give you the opportunity to tell my audience and maybe anyone who's a Blackhawks fan that might be tuning in where they can find you on social media, how they can find your show and how they can interact with you and uh, anything to do with the Blackhawks hockey recast. Sure, man. I, uh, first of all, I want to say, I appreciate you inviting me to come on because uh, that any of the blues fans who know me, know me as kind of like a blues hater, 
but it's not, you know, I explained that earlier. It's uh, some of it is kind of a little bit of a shtick, but um, you know, there was a hatred for a little bit, but it's not really like that. Now I kind of like the team. Like I said, Ryan O'Reilly, I'd, I'd kill to have him on the Blackhawks. So anyway, but uh, yeah, our stuff, uh, my partner and I, John Jekyll, um, we have a website it's called the dash. It's the dash rink.com. Uh, we write about the Blackhawks from top to bottom. Uh, so it starts at the NHL level, works its way all the way down to prospects. We have beat writers that cover, you know, the ECHL team, uh, the AHL team. And then we have, you know, uh, prospect writers. We have a, you know, a nice staff. We just took on a bunch of new writers. Uh, we hope to branch out to other, uh, you know, other teams, uh, eventually, uh, hopefully growing to have divisions for each NHL franchise, uh, from top to bottom. But, uh, that's down the road. That's the ultimate plan. But right now, uh, the dash rink.com and it's not D A S H, but like an actual dash. Um, and we have the Blackhawks hockey rink cast. That is our podcast that coincides with the website. Uh, we, we, we uh, you can find me on Twitter at puck and hostel. It's with a P puck and hostel. Uh, that's, that goes back to my metal roots. I'm a big time metalhead. Uh, so that's kind of why it goes hand in hand. If anyone knows what that is, it's about, uh, the band Pantera, but uh, we have uh, at the Rinkcast on uh, Twitter as well. That's our Rinkcast account. Uh, at the Rink Official uh, is our official site uh, account, so you can follow all those if you're interested. Um, and uh, again, we're going to have you know all kinds of coverage for the draft, and uh, we've been putting out video content for the prospects and stuff like that. Uh, I, I produce all the video content or most of the video content, and. I produce the podcast. I'm the host. So I'm kind of like the chief cook and bottle washer over there. Uh, I'm the site designer. I do a lot of the stuff over there. So it's, it keeps me busy, but I like doing it. it keeps me creative. And, uh, but we enjoy doing our podcast. We do a weekly thing, weekly podcast during the season. It's kind of, uh, you know, when there's not a lot to do right now in the Blackhawks, they haven't been playing since the beginning of April. We don't have a whole lot to talk about. So it's been kind of spotty, but we just recently this week recorded our uh, mock draft for the draft, but uh, you know, since this won't probably go out, it'll be farther down the line or further down the line. Uh, it'll probably be an old podcast by the time that happens. But if anyone wants to come over and follow us, please sure reach out. We'd like to, you know, talk to all uh, Blackhawks fans, Blues fans, whatever. Um, again, I'll be honest with you. I don't hate, I don't hate the Blues that much anymore. So Good. yeah, thanks for, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Of course, Jeff. Thank you. I appreciate it. Well, I again want to thank Jeff for coming on. That was always a, a lot of fun talking blues and Blackhawks. Uh, Twitter handles for the show. The show Twitter, uh, it can be found at LGB Radio. Kirk Price can be found at Kirk Price. Bill Days at Billy Blue Note. And myself, Jeff Ponder, can be found at JPonder94. The next show for Let's Go Blues Radio Behind Enemy Lines is going to be this coming Monday, August 26th. I welcome in Todd Little from the Litter Box Cats. Uh, that is a Panthers blog. And, uh, yeah, Todd's been uh, covering the Panthers for a while. So we talk a lot about uh, Scott Mellenby, the old playoff run that they made when, when uh, they were still a fresh team in the league, and uh, many other things, including Valerie Bore. So I know that's very exciting for all of you. But, uh, yeah, and I want to mention, too, for... Uh, maybe if we picked up any new listeners with this series, uh, every Monday and Thursday we'll be releasing episodes. And uh, this is, uh, as you, if you can tell, there's a little bit of a pattern here. It's uh, it's going to go, uh, you know, one week it'll be 
Metro and Central, then it's going to be uh, the Pacific and the Atlantic. Um, it, it goes back and forth. I will say because we had that three episode week, things are a little clunky. It, it, it's not following the exact same pattern you might have saw three, four weeks ago, but it is still in a pattern. So uh, not, it, I don't know if anyone cares, but just some good information for you if you are a fan of this series. Well, that will conclude this episode. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And until next time, let's go Blues. Play Gloria. And we went Blues. Thanks for listening to the Hockey Show Blues Report of the Week. Have a great day. Rolling!